0: Hello podcast listeners, this is Gracie. Before we jump into the podcast today, I wanted to say a few things. First thing is, this podcast, the one that you're about to listen to, is just incredibly important to me. I'll explain it in the intro, but essentially it's about how to talk about racism, how to have difficult conversations, and how to handle those uncomfortable feelings in yourself when you dive into topics like racism, which in my opinion is... But we just really need to be looking at this right now and have a dialogue around it. Number two, I recorded this with Elsa and Reba, two amazingly smart, funny, bright human beings. And uh, sadly, there were some tech issues during our interview. So you're going to notice that when you listen to Elsa's voice, it's going to be quiet. And what you need to do is just turn up the volume a little bit. And then at the end, uh, Reba had some issues with her computer and got dropped. So just be prepared that there's going to be just a little awkwardness around that. For those of you who follow astrology, Mercury was still in retrograde when we recorded this, which tends to end in technology mishaps. So please be patient with us. And I hope that the sound issues do not turn you off of this conversation because it's so good and accessible and important. As my meditation teacher says that whenever we are about to have a a big transformational experience we're always we have to pay with a pound of flesh is how he says it meaning we have to sacrifice something. So I like to think of it in this conversation that maybe the tech issues are just a little pound of flesh maybe like a few ounces so we can get to the meat of really um, learning and developing as who we are as human beings. And third last thing I want to say is all of this this conversation is part of a bigger movement and beautiful life self-care that's the business that i run helping people with their self-care around switching not switching the focus but i would say shifting the focus from self-care is like i want to feel good and be be like a leader in my own life to i want to feel good so i can show up for the people in my life who have less access to resources and less power to advocate for themselves So I'm going to be taking the direction of Beautiful Life Self-Care into that intersection of where self-care meets social justice. I know that this might seem like a big shift to some people, and for others, I sense that's not a big shift because I think a lot of us have been moving there. I truly believe that that moving through these issues with self-care is the only way that we can do it effectively, is the only way that we can do it sustainably. And is the only way we can actually do it enjoyably and you're going to hear a lot of joy in this conversation that reba elsa and i have around how to talk about racism if you can imagine that just keep an open mind and move into it so uh what i'd like to invite you to do actually is to go to my website selfcarewithgracie.com, and go to the about page and just scroll down a teeny bit and you're going to see the beautiful life self-care diversity equity and inclusion statement and i wrote this statement After taking a great training from the Attaway group that really empowered me to be like, I can actually just put here on my website front and center, like this is who I believe self-care serves. Little hint, everybody. And also an apology that I wrote around how I think in the past when I started this work that I wasn't serving everybody and my commitment to doing better on those issues. So recording this is part of that commitment, this conversation that's about to go forward is part of that commitment. I'm really hoping that you'll go along for the ride and appreciative of, of you taking care of yourself on the journey. So thanks and enjoy. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Gracie with Self-Care with Gracie. As always, I have a really special podcast. I I giggle because I feel like every podcast I have, I'm like, but this one is so special. And this one actually is like incredibly special and very close to my heart. The the theme of today is going to be about having conversations around racism and what that has to do with self-care and how we can use self-care in order to make that happen. I think it's just incredibly important work to be doing, especially if you identify as a white person in our culture. Um, this is something in culture that's not going to change itself. It's something that, that we have to begin to hold the space to change. And one thing that is really hard about that is that we're not always given a model on how to have a hard conversation and how to really take some risks in order to bring about the change that we want. So I have two very special guests with me here today who are going to help us break it all down. And to give a little bit of background, this is, um, Reba and Elsa are with me. And the three of us over this past year decided to embark on holding a conversation around racism and self-care. And This happened, both Reba and Elsa, who I'll, I will bring on in a moment because you're going to hear lots of really amazing wisdom from them. Um, they're both part of the self-care community of women that I've worked with around their self-care. And there've been over 200 women at this point. So we have a really thriving um, Facebook alumni group and stay in touch with each other. It's always been like an extremely supportive community and really inspiring to get on there. But about a year ago, it was right, actually, after the, uh, the white nationalists, demonstrations in Charlottesville, there was some talk in the forum around what it is to talk about white supremacy within a white spiritual women's community or mostly white women's spiritual community. And I was amazed by how quickly the conversation escalated into conflict and people getting really upset with one another and I was also extremely pregnant at the time, and I I just felt like it, it was really spiraling out of control. And and I've had to do a lot of work with myself just to understand like all the reactions that came up in me during that time. And during that time, I I called up Reba, as a friend of mine, and I was like, "What is going on here?" And Reba's a woman of color, and just she just had such like amazing perspective for me to like understand the context with which what was happening. And I in my very pregnant desperation. I was like can can we have a conversation after I've had this baby or we cannot do it online but have it in person. And graciously she agreed and and later on we brought Elsa in um who's an amazing facilitator and leader and um holds a lot of space also as a woman of color around what it is to have a truly inclusive conversation. So the the three of us embarked on this series with 10 women from our community. We had three really challenging and really important um I feel like groundbreaking conversations in a lot of ways around racism and what that means in our own lives. And I, at the end of it, which we ended in June, we're recording this now um, in the middle of August. I just think it was, uh, I learned so much that I I want to be able to share with other people and, and I want you all to know Reba and Elsa because they were, um holding the space and really sharing so much of themselves in a way that that was transformational. So I thought the best way to to invite us all into this conversation about having these challenging conversations is for Reba, Elsa and I to have a conversation on the podcast. So Reba and Elsa, thank you both so much for being here.
1: Thank you. I'm excited. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Okay, let's let's start with you, Reba. Um, can you give a little background of um, of who you are, what you're doing in the world these days, and why? When I called you up in my very pregnant state, you were like, "Yes, let's do this."
1: <laughs> sure. So um, I am a black woman who is. Um, a full-time entrepreneur and new mom and newly married. In fact, I celebrate my three-year uh, wedding anniversary to uh, next week on the twenty-third. I'm so excited. Um, but anyway, when I when I when Gracie and I met, um, and I went through the self-care course, um, I was kind of adjusting to life as this new person, new mom, new wife, new person. I had a new name, um, and I. I was you know, trying to figure out my life. I was also, um, unbeknownst to me, but transitioning into this full-time um, life of entrepreneurship. And I started a, a company that uh, focuses on sexuality education and uh, for adults, that's pleasure positive. Um, and we, uh, we host events and um, I'm training other consultants to kind of help me spread the word and teach people about their bodies. Um, but my journey, my self-care journey led me to this kind of entrepreneurship opportunity because I'm realizing the intersection between self-care and pleasure and how we kind of deny ourselves of those things. Um, and so that's a little bit about me, but let's talk about that conversation that we had, right? It was, look, we're living in like super racially charged times, especially with our, uh, 45th president in office. And, um, you know when you came to me and you said, "Hey, I want to do something about this," uh, and I said, "Hey, have your baby first. Yes, that's the very first step. <laughs> You're about to have a baby. Let's let's uh, prioritize. But I, w- I jumped at the opportunity to have this um, conversation because I did witness um, the kind- the fallout in the group when it came to like you know. Kind of calling each other out and saying, you know, hey, this is how we benefit from white supremacy, and this is these are ways that we could um, change that. Um, but also realizing that, like, putting that—that's a very vulnerable subject, not just for you know people who benefit from privilege, but for people who don't. Um, and so I had actually reached out to a few women of color in the group that I had become close to um to find out like hey should we say anything like how does this you know what should I what should should I should I say anything in the Facebook group and um I didn't think that that was the space for me to kind of jump into that conversation but when you suggested having this like longer dialogue and a deeper dive into you know self-care and racism I think it just made the most sense and I think that you know we learn so much about compassion and being vulnerable that it's almost it, it is a disservice for us to not apply those same principles to the things that make us feel icky, like racism and, and, um, and self-care. So.
0: Thank you, Riva. Yeah. I, I think you bring up a really great point in there around how vulnerable it is to have these conversations and, and what, what we need to learn about ourselves. So I want to come back to that a little later in our conversation. And first Elsa, uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background, and what made you want to be part of this conversation series?
2: Yes. So, my name is Elsa. I am a nonprofit leader in the K 12 public education space. Uh, Specifically, my work and passion is in trying to help create diverse and inclusive uh, school communities. So, the topics of race and racism are something that I talk about almost every day in my professional world. Uh, But I am also a woman of color. I identify as black and Latina. I'm also an immigrant. So the conversations and the realities of race and racism are things that I live every single day. And I connected uh, to you, Gracie, and the broader self-care community when I was experiencing my own transitions, both professionally and in my personal life, I had just left uh, a job. um, And that experience was also very much connected to my identity and questions of like race and racism. And uh, personally, I was transitioning into becoming a caregiver um, to my mom. So I had come across your work and the self care community and I was like, I need to do that. I don't know if I have the mental energy, but I know this is something that I need to do and I will make it a priority. And I am so glad that I did. And it has been definitely transformational. And after you know, completing self care 101, um, and being part of the community. I remember seeing uh, the post that sort of initiated um, this part of the journey and not being at all surprised that it happened. I think in many ways, you know, I had, I had a, acknowledged and known that the group is and was mostly uh, white women and as a woman of color, there's just no way that you don't see or recognize that. Um, I never felt that it wasn't inclusive, but the conversations around race and racism were never central, right, to the conversations that are about self-care. Um, but when this topic of, uh, you know, white supremacy and racism sort of came up in a space that was mostly white, the the reactions were not surprising. And I do remember specifically observing from a distance and making the decision not to engage. Um, as, a woman of, as a woman of color and for my own self-care, given everything else that was happening, um, in the conversations outside even of the group, I what instigated that, that, that sort of conversation. Uh, but then keep sort of being an observer and seeing the conversation evolve and devolve into what it did, I remember chiming in and saying, I know this is hard, but what I hope that continues to happen in this community um, and in this particular group of white women is that you don't stop having the conversation because that that is your job. And you can't just turn away when it feels ugly and when it feels hard so at the minimum, can we please do that? And then sort of disconnecting again, uh, again, for my own sort of sanity and, and self-care as a woman of color. And then sort of that was that. And I remember um, not too long after Gracie reaching out and saying, you know, I want to pick this up. I need others to come with me. And in some ways asking for for help, which is also very much in self-care protocol, <laughs> Uh, so reaching out and saying, can I tab into my community to help me do this? And I was really nervous about it, but I also knew that I needed to say yes. Um, I think knowing that I was going to be part of like a co-facilitating group with Reba, that's not really a word, but with Reba and Gracie um, made me feel like I could do this with with others and that i would have the support and guidance to to hold space for for the group um, and i wanted to make sure that we didn't lose an opportunity to engage with folks and white women who wanted to have these conversations and didn't know how to do it and i think that was definitely part of the process just acknowledging that we needed to do this and then deciding we would figure out the how to do it, um, and that changed over time, um, but um, I'm excited that we were able to do it and figuring out like how do we keep the conversations going and the last thing I will say is that it going through the process has also uncovered a lot of questions uh, for me and my own journey in navigating the um, big questions around like Race and racism, and self care, and what that means uh, as a woman of color.
0: Yes, yeah, it's. Um, I, th- I think we kind of got to that by the end of the conversation series, or it was just like I just felt like the more questions we gave ourselves to ask, the more questions that started to come up around it. Or just, I think the the moment we started to like unweave some of what we you know, the way, especially as, um, I'll speak as a white woman here is just the way that I have been taught to see the world in my place. And once I started to unweave some of that, it just felt so disorienting and brought up so many more questions. And, and part of the self-care process I really thought was like giving ourselves a lot of space to just have questions and not need to rush to answer them or to like, I think almost we hide in that feeling of certainty because it makes us feel safe, but to give ourselves the space to not always feel safe, but to really engage from a place of like wanting to learn and grow together. So it, uh, thank you both for being in that. And, and it, well, I wanted to ask you Reba, cause I, I felt like there was a really important moment that happened in the, um, just our, our first getting together because you and Elsa had actually never met in person before we had our f- first planning meeting. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Can you tell me a little, tell us a little bit more about what, what happened in, in that first meeting, just of your own realizations around, um, racial identity and, and cause I think that that, that instance just seemed like it opened up a lot of, of awesome questions for us.
1: Totally. Um, so we got together and we were kind of trying to figure out like, how do we guide this conversation? Like, what do we say and how do we say it? And I think it just started with a conversation about, you know, general perceptions of who we are and how we kind of. Um, got here and the stories that we um, share that make up our identity in general. And so I think we all kind of, um, actually, let me just speak for myself. So when Elsa and I first met, I thought, uh, when we met over like Zoom call, I thought that Elsa, you were a uh, just like purely Latino woman. And to hear you identify as black and Latina, um, kind of opened my eyes and like really was a starting point at least for me uh, for this discussion because it made me realize like even though I'm a person of color and I'm a, I'm a black person um, that I still kind of carry this lens right like we all see the world in this in this lens that um, may not actually be the way that the world looks around us and so um, recognizing and acknowledging Elsa your blackness um really helped me realize that like okay yeah when I see people I'm making the same kinds of like judgments and assumptions um that you know I think kind of contribute to the otherness that we put on each other to make racism okay and what I mean by that is you know there's this sense of otherness that we've kind of talked about that came up in this um in this conversation that makes it okay to say, well, this person is different from me, so I don't have to show as much compassion, Um, which isn't, you know, the lynching, you know, prejudice Jim Crow racism that we're used to, but it is the way that that racism perpetuates itself. And that is feeling comfortable enough in the otherness of someone else to say that you don't matter as much to me Um, or your experiences aren't as valid to me. And to find myself kind of doing that when I met Elsa, really was like a wake-up call. It's like, man, we really do need to have this conversation, and not just, you know, because white people are racist, but, but because there there are these perceptions that we in the world that we live in, and it's important for us to to lean on compassion and understanding um, and self care to kind of combat that negative. Those neg- that negative energy that comes with you know feeling threatened or feeling different. Elsa, is there anything you want to say
0: to weigh in there too?
2: I think just to underscore how valuable it is to create the kinds of spaces where people can show up as their whole selves. And I wish it were as simple and as easy as, you know, those few words in that sentence. Uh, But I think it, it helped to inform so much of how we created our space for this particular conversation, how we build our own relationships as facilitators. I mean, my, my own identity is something that I've, had to learn to own more outwardly, like I've always been inwardly proud of who I am and the multifacetedness <laughs> of like what makes who like what makes up who I am, but I've always been very cautious about doing so externally uh, because of all the questions that it, ha- it raises, and sometimes the it's not just the curiosity, uh, which I think is what I felt from Reba, right? She came to this conversation and that particular discussion like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And it sort of opened up a whole other set of questions and wonderings and like, you know, ownership. And um, it sort of also is an example of um, how each of us can has been able to grow in these conversations, even though we're technically the ones leading them. But that's not true across the board. Uh, there have been many times where I have attempted to try and share who I am and have gotten like really ugly responses um, from it. And to Riva's point, like that is, that is the kind of things that continue to hold up racism in our society and are, incredibly hurtful and damaging in ways that aren't always necessarily physical. Um, but I think do enough damage emotionally that start to bleed into these other areas of why we need self-care and how that might even also look differently for women of color.
0: It's It's been a big learning experience for me to understand that, that uh, I think that's a lot of my own process of, of understanding how white supremacy works in my own life. I think I came into the self-care work being like one size fits all. I'm going to teach you all about Ayurveda and these routines and to, to see how, no, this is how it actually plays out in these different experiences. And just like what an incredible privilege it is to even, um, have the time and the space to do a lot of the self-care uh and 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 to understand that by not asking the deeper questions around who's really coming to the table in terms of self-care and how am i able to like look at the the different life situations that that that's a form of white supremacy in a lot of ways uh and it's it's not just that realizing it makes it go away, but I, I think being able to to start to speak about it has been um um my whole self actually. And um and to be able to have a space where I can I can listen to different perspectives and not have to be right about uh about everything all the time. And I, I just looking at like the dominant culture, which I think is a white supremacist culture. It's, it's like this very perfectionistic culture of like, you're not allowed to make mistakes. You don't even, you shouldn't even have to ask questions. You should like have it all right. And it's all about being invulnerable in a way. And we're taught that that's like the safest, best way to be in the world. So to, to come into our conversation, especially me kind of who is the leader of the self-care community to come into it just I felt really confused and disoriented and like I wanted to do better and like I was probably making a ton of mistakes and yet I still just felt like this is if if we're not doing this now that it's become clear that we need to do this like then then actually I don't think the self-care work holds up um and and so I just I yeah I want to I guess I want to ask about that next maybe we can start with you Reba just like can you talk about the relationship of vulnerability in doing this work and like, what did you learn about vulnerability and, uh, anything you want to add on that?
1: Yeah. Um, so in doing the self-care work, let me just take a full step back. Right. I learned that I don't like to be vulnerable, right? We don't, it's a yucky feeling. It doesn't, it's not, it's not yucky. It's just uncomfortable. Okay. And maybe on the other side, it feels good. You know, that freedom that you've released and been vulnerable um, and that connection that you make, but being vulnerable is not like, Ooh, spa days and sexy. Like it's, (laughs) it's tough and it's uncomfortable. And um, I think what's the hardest is like showing up, but genuinely. Right. And like, even in being vulnerable, we find ourselves like escaping into intellect. Like our first conversation was We didn't go there. Like, it was kind of very surface and intellectual, because being vulnerable is tough, right? And so, um, and I think I just want to go back and underscore what Elsa said, um, as the point to her last question, your last question, Gracie, was, you know, building a space where it's okay to be wrong. Or it's okay to not know the answers to things, or it's okay to just express yourself. And by okay, I mean safe. Like, there's no one that's going to yell at you or be angry with you, or ex- you know, expect you to explain yourself and why you feel the way you feel, even when you don't know. You know, um, one of the things that we did in this group was uh, to create norms, which um, was, I think, by the recommendation of. Um, Elsa and Elsa, you had some norms that were so kind of um, like helpful in this in the process of um, having this conversation. Uh, and I think the most powerful one for me was having room for rough drafts, right? Um, and having can you say that again? Having room for rough drafts, like this is draft. Whatever you say out of your mouth is not going to be perfect. And we all acknowledge and accept that and will not hold you to, you know, some rigorous standard that, you know, you must be perfect in this space. It's a, I think what's most important is that we were allowed to be imperfect in this space. Everyone, whether you're a person of color or a white person, um, you are able to kind of show up imperfectly. And knowing that, you know, uh, I think that was really really important for what, what we're trying to do here. And I think the other thing is, um, and one thing that kind of stuck out as a startling realization for me was the fact that a lot of what we're dealing with and a lot of the ways that racism shows up in our lives is directly tied to the patriarchy. Um, and that I think was not something that I expected to uncover in this conversation, but it also left me feeling very vulnerable because I started to realize ways in which the patriarchy affects me. Like, I think we started talking about, you know, the way we wear our hair and, you know, curly versus straight and, you know, not being able to wear your hair in its natural state. And um, all of that kind of led up to, you know, realizing that as a person of color, you're not really allowed to be your full self, but even as women, like we're not allowed to be our full selves. Um, and so one meme that came out of this, or that I found while I was researching, you know, things to contribute to the group was in order to understand racism, you have to understand power dynamics. In order to understand sexism, you have to understand power dynamics. And in order to understand power dynamics, you have to listen to and believe the voices of the powerless. And I think that's what this conversation helped us all achieve.
0: Elsa, do you, do you have thoughts you wanna, I know you have such good thoughts to add in there too.
2: I just got goosebumps when yes. you were describing that and sharing that because it is it is so true. And as part of the I remember as part of the norms creation, I offered up the norm of allowing rough drafts and first drafts. But I would be remiss if I also didn't add how you, as part of that norm, added that oftentimes our first drafts are necessarily our own thoughts, right? So I think it connects so beautifully to this idea of, The reality that we live in the world that we do. Um, So a lot of times our own biases and ideas that we have to confront aren't necessarily our own, right? That they are a consequence of white supremacy and the patriarchy. And I think that like acknowledging that helps certainly help me uh, be able to be in a space of more vulnerability right, to say, like, this this thought or reaction that I have when someone shares something that I might not want to, like, vocalize because I can't believe I'm having that thought. It's not necessarily my own, but it's a consequence of, like, just me living in this country (laughs) and what this country is. Uh, But I have to externalize it and I have to process it. And if I can do that with others, I can actually maybe start to not just let it go, but hopefully... Replace it and fill it back with something else that is more productive and more love than what um that original thought or belief was.
0: something that that in our in our self care work together that uh we're, we we had this great conversation over this past year around love and like what love really means. And um, we read a bell hooks book all about love. And, and what she gave us her definition of love was showing up for somebody's spiritual growth. And in this, con- our conversation series really felt that way that it's like, yeah, we're going to show up. We're going to have blind spots. We're going to say stuff that just is going to seem really off. And, and in those moments we can choose to kind of turn away from each other and be like, well, you're not doing that. Right. You've said this thing. And I think that's the fear that we all can have with each other. It's the fear that I totally have when I go into conversations like this, like I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going to come off as racist and people are just going to shut their minds down to me. And, and then I'm, there's nothing I can do. And, and, but if, if we can keep just showing up and, and holding each other accountable, which means that we get to call each other out on things, we get to like have feelings and um, deep emotions. And, but, but that commitment that we have that like, I'm going to show up for your growth and you're going to show up for my growth. Like it, it, I think that was something that just really, it, we can talk about it, but like experiencing it. And, um, and it's, you know, I don't, I don't know, like, I think there's so many layers to wholeness in this work and I don't, I don't feel like I am whole at all, especially, um, you know, I th- I think we have not had a great, even, start to like breaking down like what what whiteness is in in our society today of really looking at not um, not just the benefits of being white and I think that's a really important thing to talk about but also like the deficits of being white because I, white people what I've learned is we don't really truly on a spiritual level benefit from the patriarchy and from racism but like we're like spiritually dying inside because we are letting these forces just take control and run our lives because we're not we're not willing to do the work to like subvert the system and it is challenging and it is vulnerable and all of that. But I think if we knew that we could um, that we could find that fulfillment through just showing up and being messy and making mistakes, but like out of this great spirit of love of wanting us all to grow, I think, I think it could entice a lot more people into these conversations. Cause I think the fear is, is like, I'm just going to be shamed and um, and yeah i'll do it really badly and that'll be it so there is there's just a lot of power and and the support that we were able to cultivate for each other in that way well as as we get close to the end here i i would really like to hear from both of you around like for people out there in their own lives who are like, man, I wish I could start to have more conversations like this, either with my family members or in my workplace or with my group of friends, instead of sitting around and gossiping, like could we start to have more conversations like this? What are some of the self-care tools that you think are important that, that other people could take away and to step into more of these conversations? Um, Elsa, why don't we start with you?
2: Yes, that is... That is a big question. Uh, I think for me, it has a lot to do with being self-reflective and creating the time and space to do a lot of self-nurturing. I think a lot of times these conversations about race and racism are very often framed as what other people are doing or what is happening out there. I know uh, for me, and this is something that was highlighted through going, going through this process um, and engaging in this, in these conversations and with this group, is that I also hold a lot of problematic, ideas and beliefs Um, so there's this big question of like can you start with yourself Um, because I think once you start to question some of your own beliefs and are able to do that in a way that is both acknowledging um, that this is a growth area but doing it in a way that's nurturing and safe I think sets you up to be able to Engage with others um, in those conversations. So it's it wasn't until I could acknowledge my own anti-blackness um, and my own beliefs around that, despite the fact that I do identify as black, despite the fact that in my multi-ethnic, multiracial family, like my father is black, um, I have siblings who are black, and experience the world as you know, a Black man and a Black woman, that there was just no way that I was immune to the very ugly ideas that our society holds just because I'm a woman of color, right? And that in itself, like, just that question was, like, it took my my breath. <laughs> so I was like, wow, um, I can't believe that that's true, but it is. Um. So how can I start to explore that and what can I read and what can I digest and what conversations can I have so that I can start to dismantle that? And that has helped me uh, be better prepared to engage with other loved ones around it because it allows me to show up in the, with a place of curiosity and vulnerability to, to also just leave with like, this isn't a problem that you need to solve, um, Gracie as a white woman, for example, or like this is the way that you've been problematic or I can't believe that you've done this, but more like, Hey, you know, this is something that we all struggle with and engaging in the, in those conversations in that way. And then the second, uh, thing that I've found to be really useful is other than starting with yourself, um, and finding your own education and exploring that, and figuring out the ways to tap in and out of that, um, so that you can <laughs> keep your your sanity while also growing, is to also start with with your loved ones, right? I think too often people think that this is, so, and I, and I'm including myself in this, that this is a problem that happens, you know, out there. That this is like this is not true in. DC, that this is something that happens in like rural Virginia, right? And that racism has a particular profile and they are carrying tiki tortures. That is so far from the truth. And acknowledging that has helped me call in my own family members in these conversations. And they've been messy and they haven't been like nice, but because of my own self-care work and because of my own work in the space of race and racism, like i've been able to not just also be vulnerable but hold space for that anger, and like i'm not going to disown my family, like I live with my family like my mom is not gonna move out <laughs> right like we're I'm gonna have to face her quite literally uh two minutes after engaging in this conversation, so being able to do that, I think in my my own personal opinion is how we start to make the most progress is building those things in our own communities in our in in those closest to us because that is also where so much of the work is needed
0: yes absolutely um i really appreciate you saying that about relationships just being um like a non-negotiable in a lot of ways of just keeping the relationships that we have and and finding a way to like have the conversations within them because I think a lot of people out there feel like oh I just have to like cut ties which is true and and that is self-care sometimes it's like if you really it's unworkable but that that there's a way to be able to um hold hold space for people's ignorances and 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 still hold space for that possibility of growth too Reba is is there um anything you'd like to add around the way that other people could take take the self-care and and bring these conversations into their life. Reba, did we lose you? Oh, I actually, I'm noticing that she's not on the call anymore. Oh no, we might've lost Reba. Okay. Well, I, um, we, we might get her back at a certain point, but just what I wanted to add on there too, is that, uh, I think that, that a really important aspect of self-care that I have found is to find people who are at your developmental level in order to have this conversation. And, and that just means like people who are able to hold some nuance in it and see that, uh, that, you know, things change with like, with different cultural, interpretations and that there's uh there's room to kind of see things from different situations and and that doesn't mean that someone who is a little bit more like black and white um or just like finite in how they see things is is like necessarily oh we got riva back riva i was just making a point about how we need to have people who are developmentally at the same same level as us to be able to have like the depth of conversations that we're having which doesn't mean that you can't you know take what you know and talk to someone who has a little bit more of like an us versus them mentality and offer some perspective that might actually be really helpful for them. But I think for me to like spiritually get my needs met in these conversations, it's about people who are willing to do the work and willing to have a lot of self-awareness and look at their own shadows. And that's not every person that you meet. I feel like it's really special and it takes, it takes like a community like ours to bring those people together. A lot of the times the people who are like done this deeper self-care work on themselves so just to make sure that you're finding some place in your life where you are able to, to get that kind of um, your needs met in that way. Well, I, I, I think we lost Reba on our call. Uh, so I, I, if we're going to close out here. Elsa, is there anything else that, that you want to add before we end here?
2: I think the only thing I would add is Despite my my uncertainty in kind of engaging in this and in these conversations with this community because there were there were some folks that I didn't know I mean Rebo was one of them um just how necessary it was i I can't underscore how scared I was because these are conversations are very very scary and Sometimes I don't feel like the word vulnerable really does it justice. because <laughs> uh, I just think that it, it just brings up so many emotions, but I have come out the other end so much more grateful for it. And as cheesy as it sounds, I think a better person, despite the fact that in the grand scheme of things, I feel like I've barely made like any progress in the solving this big thing um but I think it has built a sense of of really hope um which is so much needed I think in this climate and and what's going on and it's just a reminder of the idea that there is a lot of good that we can still harness and move forward with and that there are still a lot of folks who want to do that with you even if it's messy even if it sometimes feels like it's a step backwards um it's it's so much worth it it really is
0: totally yes and I just want to say that I still feel like I'm doing it wrong like even on this podcast I've had some like super like uncomfortable feeling moments I'm like did I say that the right way is that going to come back and be like that's not what I meant or just that those feelings um they're so natural to have when we're stepping into work like this and to, um, to just give yourself some grace, all of us, some grace in this, that, um, and I think without that grace, it's just going to be so hard to to keep moving forward. Oh, we have Reba back. Okay. Well, before we close out here, I'd love Reba to, to get your final thoughts around like what, how do people take this self-care work and really share it out in their communities? Okay.
1: Um, there we go. Hi, you're here. Yay. Yeah, so I just wanted to just um you were saying how do people share this self-care work out in their communities? And um the three things that came up with to me, and this was kind of leaning back into the self-care uh work that we've been doing, and that's um the gifts of imperfection, right? Um compassion, courage, and connection. Um and I think in order to like Go out there and start having these conversations, especially with, like, your friends and your family. You definitely need the courage to say, hey, this is wrong. Because silence is, like, permission, right? Silence is what helps perpetuate these things. And so having the courage to say, to stand up and say, hey, we, this is not compassionate, right? And then showing compassion where, you know, you may want to be angry like, or be frustrated. I think it's completely... Like essential in this work. And then um, making connections to people that don't look like you will help kind of reduce that, the ease in which you kind of switch into that otherness um, and help uh, you start with yourself, right? Elsa said, you know, you've got to start this work within. Like it's easy to say and point to all of the people around you, oh, you're a racist and you're a racist <laughs> and you're a racist, grandma, but also like looking at the way that maybe some of those things in your life have shaped what you do Um, and then changing what you do and how you walk in the world and how you react to people is leading by example. You know, it's one thing to tell someone what they should be, should or shouldn't be doing, but it's another thing to show them with your actions. So I think that's, those are what is essential to kind of, you know, doing this work in your own community.
0: Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. It feels like it's like that conversation about integrity. It's like really like when you can, when we can like own all these pieces of ourselves, even our blind spots, even the parts of ourselves that are racist, it's like then we start to like find some wholeness in ourselves if we can just like, um, and that's really where I see the self-care of this. Is that until we start having conversations like this and challenging the system that we live in that is, that is hurting a lot of people, including ourselves, you know, as, as like, especially me as like a white woman of privilege, like, um, I, the system privileges me in so many ways, but it's hurting my soul, you know, it just to, to know that this is going on and it's hurting a lot of people's like everyday material realities as well. And so that's, I think a lot of us out there are looking for, personal self-care answers and the deeper that you go down the rabbit hole of self-care, I think it really ends here that like, it's not, it's not an individual issue. It's like a, it's a communal worldwide experience that we're having that we um, in order to really practice good self-care for ourselves, we need to learn how to show up for each other. And this conversation is just like such a, it's a small step and it's also a huge step at the same time. And I absolutely could not have done it without the two of you so thank you so much, Elsa and Reba, for uh, being here today and sharing about your process. And also thank you for, like, taking the step with me and allowing me to, to learn with you all and from you all. And I, I really look forward to, to more together.
2: Me too. Thank you, Gracie and Reba.
1: Same. It makes a lot of like, bravery to like, Thank you. Can you, but can you say that again? You broke up a little bit. Um, sorry. Can you hear me? I was just, yes, it takes, ex- it takes a lot of bravery. You're,
0: you're breaking up again, but I'm getting bravery. That's the word that came through both times. So I, <laughs> let's, let's, yes. let's end yes. with, with bravery here. So we'll just, we'll keep, um and it's actually something that I'm taking this uh, really great course with Desiree Attaway called, it's a diversity, inclusion, and equity course. And she says, I don't make safe spaces, I make brave spaces. And that's, like, really has resonated with me, that, like, we can be brave together in this. So for those of all at home who are listening and you're like, oh, my gosh, this was a really intense, interesting conversation. I'm not sure what to make of it. Like give yourself a like 24 hours just to sit with what came up for you and, um, and don't, don't worry about taking the perfect action next, but like, see if you can take some action, like open up this conversation with a good friend of yours that you do feel a little bit more safer with to just talk about what came up with you or, um, see if you can start to put it on the docket in some of your like work meetings of talking about what is a, a truly diverse work meeting and, and whatever it is, it's, it's not going to feel perfect. It'll probably feel really scary and vulnerable and it will be a small and a huge step in, in the direction of self-care for yourself and for all of us. So thank you all so much and have a great day. Keep taking care of yourselves and we'll be, at, we'll be back soon. Bye-bye.